But anyway, so I'm going to be talking. We're going to be, when I'm preaching the next few weeks, I'm going to be in Colossians. It's a short book, easy to go through, but there's a lot in there. And it's really good for the body of Christ, which is us. So that's what it's about. It's about encouraging, building up, like Matt said, you know, see what God will do. Um, so uh, we're going to talk about being bodybuilders. We know that in we are the body of Christ. Christ is the head. So we, we can't build up Christ. He's already complete in, in perfection. So, but the body, I know we have Megan. She's a, that's her profession. She knows, like, it takes a lot of work. We have to do things. We can't just wake up. You know, that's what she does for profession. And people are like, oh, I want to lose weight. I want to, you know, bulk up. And, you know, they can't just show up and be like, hey, I made this appointment. Why isn't it happening? Well, you have to do something. You come to your appointment with a donut and a frappe, you know. First, you're probably going to get scolded if you come, <laughs> if you've been bringing that. It means we have to do something. There's things that, that we need to do to be able to build up the body. So we know as believers we are the body of Christ. Uh, we know if we're saved, that is our mission, our destiny, our goal to build each other up, expand the body, encourage each other. That's our goal here on earth. So to build up each other, to expand the body, that means preaching the gospel, teaching people about Jesus, bringing them into kingdom, right? All right. So Paul wrote this book. If you're not sure, if you're ever reading the New Testament and you're like, I wonder who wrote this book. I mean, go with Paul. It's probably him. I don't know. Was it like 13 of the books or something? I don't know. He wrote a lot of them. And so if you don't know, Paul spent a lot of time in prison I don't know how you would feel, but I don't feel like I would be in the encouraging mood to try to encourage other people while I'm in prison. And these aren't like prisons like, oh, I have TV and I get three meals a day. These are like, you know, you are, you know, let's just say they didn't have a good plumbing system and there was levels to prisons. And if you were at the top level, maybe you'd do okay. But if you're at the middle or the bottom level in the prisons, I'll just let you imagine what would probably be dripping on you, you know. So this is where Paul is. And so when we read this book, we need to realize, like, hey, this is, he's been in and out of prison. Sometimes he's been flogged. You know, he's not usually just sitting at home or being on vacation, you know, um, just enjoying the beach or something. That's, that's not where he's writing these books from. So... Um, Paul wrote this book to encourage people in their faith in Jesus. And then he encouraged, he said, hey, I also want you not just to believe in Jesus, but I want you to love each other. That's hard sometimes, right? Because we have different personalities, different likes. People don't do what we want them to do. Rude. So, it was, this book was really given as encouragement. Churches are popping up. This is after Jesus ascended into heaven. This is, you know, churches are popping up all over the place. You know, they're starting in homes. This is where they're saying, hey, go out, preach the gospel to everybody. So, these churches are just, you know, they're hearing about Jesus. They're accepting Jesus. They start a church. That's all the seminary they had. Hey, do you know Jesus? Let me tell you about him. Five minutes, here they are. They're going to their home. They're telling their friends, their family. Boom, there's a church. There's a church. That's, that's how it was. 
I mean, that's pretty awesome, isn't it? Like you come to service one time and you're like, hey, I go tell my family, boom, you just got church going. I mean, really, that's what the church is, the body of Christ, right? So this is what's going on, but it's, it's difficult. There's a lot of people who do not want the gospel to be preached. You know, your life is in danger. Your livelihood is in danger. You know, your, your people have lived one way for so long. You're trying to help them renew their minds. And, and so, you know, we know people, they do crazy things, right? And you're thinking, why are you doing that? And they're like, I don't know, I've always done this. So Paul's like, let me just encourage you. So he wanted them to remain steadfast in the faith. And this is the part he wanted them to get with joy. You know, if you're running a church and everyone's running amok, I don't know how joyful that would be, right? And he's saying, hey, it's okay. Just I want you to first just keep the faith and do it with, you know, I know everything's coming against you and everything's going wrong, but I want you to do it with joy. So he's like, when you face difficult times, we can have joy in that. So this is what Paul's saying to them. How many of you guys have faced difficult times? Come on. Some of you are in them right now. It's okay because he says, guess what? bringing this word to you today from the word of God because he's like, you know what? I know that you're facing things and sometimes it seems like you're going through life and nobody, nobody recognizes what you're struggling with. Nobody is taking the time. They're, life's going so fast that nobody's realizing like, hey, I'm hurting here. I'm struggling. This is difficult. Like I'm having trouble, you know, holding on to this promise that God gave me. So Paul's like, I understand that. He understands that. So he wrote this book and said, hey, I want to encourage you. So because Christ, I'll tell you what, Christ makes it possible to endure that hardship and and that suffering because we know that his promises are true. See, that's what we have to be reminded of. Okay, life is not going so well in this moment, but the promise is that I will have abundant life. The promise is that I have eternity with Jesus. The promise is that, you know, healing comes through the blood. The promise is, you know, that provision will come through, through the word. So when we, we just sometimes, the promises seem, if you've ever had that where it seems like the promises have gotten far away from you, and it's like that thing where you're running, and it just, like, it's like that dangle thing in front of you, where it's like you keep running, but it's on the dangle thing in front of you, so you never quite reach it. Sometimes it can feel like that. Like I just, you just get up and you just get knocked down again. So, so Paul's like, I recognize this is happening. I recognize there's a lot coming at you guys. I recognize there's not, you haven't had a whole lot of teaching, information, all of these things. And so he writes, um, I'm going to start writing Colossians 1. And it says this, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, and to the saints. So that's you guys. That's us. To the saints and faithful believers in Christ who are, who are at Colossia. Grace to you and peace, that means inner calm, spiritual well-being from our God, from God our Father. So that's how they started. I mean, that makes you feel good. He's like, hey, you're a saint. I mean, that, if life's going crazy and they're, they're talking about addressing you like that, and saying peace and calm and well-being. I like someone starting a letter like that. You know, if anybody's worked in any type of retail and someone writes a complaint, you know, that's a good, like, I feel like something good is coming. So, and we go on to verse 3. It says, 
we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, as we pray, so they're praying for them, always for you. So Paul's saying, hey, I'm thankful. We give thanks to God that, you know, we have you, that, that you are in the kingdom, and um, we're praying for you. For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and how you lean on him with absolute confidence in his power, his wisdom, and his goodness, and of the unselfish love which you have for all the saints which are God's people. Those are some good things he's saying about them, isn't it? Like he's saying you're not selfish, you are you have confidence, you have power, you have witness, wisdom, you you walk in goodness. So Paul's telling them, hey, you guys love each other, you know, you love God's people, and because of the confident hope of that experiencing, of experiencing that which is reserved and waiting for you in heaven. So they have a hope. You previously heard of this hope in the message of truth, the gospel regarding salvation, which has come to you. Indeed, just as the whole world, the gospel is constantly bearing fruit and spreading by God's power, just as it has been doing among you ever since the day you first heard it and understood the grace of God in truth, becoming thoroughly and deeply acquainted with it. So he's saying, hey, you guys know how good it was when you received salvation. This is happening all over the world. Don't lose heart that you're the only ones. You ever felt like you're the only one that gets something or the only one that's working hard? You know, have you ever worked in a place where it's like, every, it seems like everybody's taking breaks every 15 minutes and you're just working, working, working? So he's saying, I know that it probably feels like this. But just remember, remember when, you know, Christ gave to you. This is happening other places. This is happening all over the world. The gospel is being preached. So he's reminding them. So Paul's saying, hey, give praise to God. Rejoice even though things are tough. I know it's hard for you, but look at what you have to rejoice in. You have an eternity. You have a hope. You have a hope right there. You know, you receive Christ. You have that eternal reward. You have wisdom. You have power. This is what you have. He's like, so don't lose hope. He's trying to encourage them. You know, Paul, he wants to build up. He wants to encourage the body because he knows that when we come together, we walk in authority. So, I heard this story, and you may have heard this. I Many years ago, I heard this story of, um, like, it was a testing, a testing place, and basically, like, they took lab rats, and they wanted to see how long they could swim. Um, and when they put them in there, they couldn't swim very long. They would die off. But when they took them out and gave them a break and showed them that there is an end in sight, they could go, like, ten times longer than they originally thought. Because there is that hope that there is an end result. See, that's what we have. We have that. When we, when we accept Jesus, it's not like I'm just toiling in this world. You know, maybe I'll get to heaven. Maybe there's something after. Maybe there isn't. But when we have Jesus, we have a hope. No matter what goes on in the middle part, there's a hope that we have an eternal reward. So, so even when we are in these seasons where it feels like we're drowning in pain, we're, we're struggling with grief. You know, there just seems to be drama everywhere we go, sickness or whatever it is. We can open up the word of God and read the word and hope will be infused in us. You can't read the word of God and not have hope. You know, he sent Jesus. He gave us the word. You know, he's like, I'm going to give you a future and a hope. You know, so we open it up. He said, that's for you. That's for you. So that's for us. 
we're reading that, that's for us. He's saying, no matter how bad it gets, you got to find some hope. Open the word, find something that will bring hope. There's a lot in there, by the way. So, Because then we meet Jesus, and we know Jesus is the sustainer of all things. Everything in your life that is good, every single thing that is good comes from the Lord. Because goodness can only come from the Lord. Evilness can only come from the enemy. God cannot, will not release evil into your life. He doesn't punish you with sickness and poverty and all of these things. He doesn't do that. That's the enemy. And sometimes our own ill-made choices, <laughs> right? Sometimes we're like, devil's after me. No, you just didn't listen to God over and over. <laughs> right? Sometimes the enemy's like, you're giving me a break. <laughs> but I love how God set us up. He said he wants us to co-reign with Christ. That means that we can walk with the same authority, the same power. You know, not, you know, obviously he's the head, but he said, I'm giving you the ability to work with me to build the kingdom. So he wants us to play a role in this divine mission. We have a role. There's something we need to do. So it, he's, he didn't say, hey, sit back and watch what I'm going to do. He said, look what I did and now do it with me. So I'm going to keep going. In, in Colossians, in one twenty five it says, In this church, you guys know you are this church. Every believer is this church. In this church, I was made a minister according to the stewardship which God entrusted to me for your sake. That's awesome. So that I might make the word of God fully known among you. He's saying, I want to share everything that God has given me. He doesn't want to hold it over your head like, I know the word and you don't. I know how to get free, but I'm going to keep you in bondage. I'm not going to say it, but have you ever think about things in your life where people have held that over your head? I mean, how many times have we withheld what God wants us to do because we're scared or we're mad or things like that? And it's like Christ gave it freely and we're withholding the truth from others. When we refuse to speak the truth in love, that didn't go over very well. Um, that is the mystery. Yeah, we start thinking, you know why? You know why I didn't go over very well? Because we start thinking how many times did Christ say, you know, you're their path to salvation to Jesus. And we're like, well, I'm busy and I don't want to do that. That's embarrassing. So he goes on and he says, that is the mystery which was hidden from angels and mankind for ages and generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. So things that were hidden and we didn't know, you know, what God was doing, how he was doing it. He's saying, look, all these things that you didn't know about, you do now know. All those mysteries were hidden and now you are, you have that information. God's people has that information. So God in his eternal plan chose to make known to them how great for the Gentile, how, how great for the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in and among you, the hope and guarantee of realizing the glory. So before, before it was only allowed for 
the Jews, right? And God's like, but Jesus came not just for one group of people. He said, now it's available to everybody. Because as they're going to preach the gospel, they're going into areas, you know, that they have never heard the word. They never even heard about Jesus before. So he's saying, you have that. Now you have this hope. You have this guarantee. But it's your job to play this part. So we have to play this part. How well are we going to do that? We have to start thinking about how well are we going to do that? Are we playing it just enough to get it good for us? Our little circle of people, we're happy. My life's good. You know, I have enough blessing here. I'm not giving any away. I'm not doing, I'm not sharing that. But how many of us were happy with us being happy? It's kind of like I always think of this when you're walking somewhere and you see someone looking or, or whispering, you think they're talking about you. And I'm like, you're not that important. They got their own things going on. But how well do we really want to play that, that part and say, okay, I want, a piece, I want to be part of this, this kingdom. You, you, get, you died for me, Jesus, and now I'm part of the kingdom. What do you want me to do? I want to do something. I don't want it just to be, I don't want just my household to be saved. I don't want my kids to be like, life's great inside these four walls, but when I go into my community, I see poverty and, and brokenness and, and evil and anger and hatred and lack. Do you want to send your kids to that every day? And say, well, at least my four walls, well, guess what? They got to go out. They grow up. Or do you want it for your community? Do you want it for your nation? Do you care about people in another country who are suffering or children who are being abused or things like that? Or does it only matter in your home? That's what I'm talking about playing a part. How well do we want to play that role? As we read through Colossians, you know, I see this theme, God, God did not create us to be a one-man show. He didn't say, well, here's the evangelist for the generation. That's it. That's the only person that can preach the gospel. You know, here's the pastor. Everybody's got to listen to this person. No, no, no. He didn't create us to be a one-man show. He didn't make one man's destiny even greater than another's. You know, in our humanness, we do that. We take speakers, we take people, and we put them up on that pedestal, right? Oh, they're so good, so great. I love hearing that. And then when they fall, we're all mad. Oh, can't believe you messed up. Can't be perfect like me. We've seen that a lot, right? We keep lifting them up. We try to put them over Christ. Oh, they're such a great speaker. It really blesses my life. I mean, there's a lot of great speakers, because they get that wisdom from the Lord. See, that's the humanness in us that does that. God didn't say, well, this person's destiny is greater than yours. Their contribution to the kingdom is more important than your contribution. That's what Paul's trying to say. All, he's trying to be, as he's speaking to them, he's saying, you all have something to do. He's not just encouraging one. He's saying, I want you to release this. This is all the saints, the people that believe in God. So I was, I was thinking about, you know, these people that are on stage and this huge following. I thought of Billy Graham. How many of you guys like, I love Billy Graham. Man, that evangelist, I'm like, you know, I'm thankful that I got to live in a time to hear him and see what got the hand of God on his life. But I also thought, how many people, I think, you know, people say, oh, he had a crusade and Billy Graham led 300, you know, thousand people to the Lord. 
Okay, but what about all the people that made that possible behind the scenes? People making calls, people setting up venues, you know, people cleaning. Guess what? If I'm going to a, a crusade with 300,000 people, I want clean bathrooms, right? Who's doing that? What about his mom? She raised him. Someone had to put that in there, right? His mom and his dad. Someone had to encourage him to say, hey, don't just, don't just run a little bit. Run the race. You know, we didn't see the things when he was a little kid, you know, home and the mom is doing that. How much we think was, was him leading 300,000 more valuable than the mom who raised him? Do you see how there's not, that's the humanness in us that says your contribution, your gift, your calling is more important than somebody else's. Some, some callings are definitely more outward and seen, but that doesn't change the value that Christ has for you. So we're going to keep going in Colossians, okay? Um, but as, as we're, all, we're all called to work together, you know, to be encouragement, to remind each other of the great gi- gift of grace we received. It's a gift. Not one of us worked for it. You can't say, well, I worked hard to get this salvation. Nope. It's a gift. It's a grace. We all received it. You know, it, it's our job to infuse hope into each other's lives right? How many of you guys have just had someone come up to you and just say something kind and you're like, that just made my day. That they thought about me, that they just even just noticed me when I was going through this whole week feeling unnoticed. We, it's our job doing to help infuse that hope in each other's lives, to listen to each other, to comfort each other, to celebrate our wins with each other, and also console each other in our losses, in our failures. But most of all, we need to encourage each other to keep going in our race. Like, hey, we're part of the kingdom. We're going together. Don't give up. Don't let this momentary difficulty throw you off what God created you to do. So in Colossians 2, it said, it says, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and, the, and for those believers at Laodicea, and for all who, like yourselves, have never seen me face to face, for my hope is that their hearts may be encouraged as they are knit together in unselfish love, so that they may have all the riches that come from the full assurance of understanding the joy of salvation, resulting in a true and more intimate knowledge of the mystery of God, that is, Christ, in whom we are hidden all the treasures of wisdom, I like that, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge regarding the word and the purpose of God. We see Paul say, hey, I know it's hard, but I want to encourage you that you can do it. What do we do when our kids are at a sporting event? You know, when they're doing stuff, we're like, come on, you can do it. Good job. We shout their name. Sometimes we bring signs. You know what I mean? And we're just encouraging them. We're excited for them. You know, if they get an award somewhere, we clap. I mean, even if it's like the craziest awards and, you know, we went to, these guys have a preschooler. 
And it was the most adorable thing. If you have not been to a preschool graduation, I, I mean, don't be creepy and just go to a bunch of pre preschool graduations. Like, it was the cutest thing. You know, you got these kids, they're like this high. They're singing songs, and they're getting these awards, like the best friend, the biggest encourager, you know, and everyone's just like, like this is, it's like they won a million dollars or like they created a cure for cancer. People are just like, we're so excited, right? Because we see the value in them. We know that God created them and that they are there for a purpose. And so that's what Paul's saying. It doesn't matter if, you know, you've met with me in person or not. I understand you're going through struggles, and I want to encourage you. And I love, I love that. So it's like it, we need to encourage each other, and it makes you feel good. And you see the kids, as, as I saw those little kids come across the stage, and they would see their parents, you know, they're like, yeah, I'm the best friend there ever is. You better get to know me. Like, they have that confidence because everyone is encouraging for them. If they walked across stage and were like, boo, you're not a good friend. You wouldn't share your snack. You would start heckling them. Those kids are going to run off crying, right? That's why Christ said, you know, even if, even if things are bad, or Paul said, even if things are bad, we need to encourage each other and remind each other of who Christ is, what he did, and what he's called you to do. So we keep going down in Colossians, in Colossians 5, or 2, 5, and it says, For even though I am absent from you in body, nevertheless I am with you in spirit, delighted to see your good dis discipline as you stand shoulder to shoulder and form a solid front. I love that. And to see the stability of your faith in Christ, your steadfast reliance on him and your unwavering confidence in his power his wisdom and his goodness therefore as you has, have received Christ Jesus the Lord walk in union with him reflecting I love that reflecting his character in the things you do and say living lives that lead others away from sin having been deeply rooted in him and now being continually built up in him and becoming increasingly more established in your faith, just as you were taught and overflowing in it with gratitude. Did you guys see something there? It says, live your lives that lead others away from sin. So maybe you're not up on a huge stage, you know, that's being televised or all over the you know, world. And just live your lives, you know, that people, when they see you, it turns their life from sin to Christ. Just the way that you do things on a daily basis, how you get up, how you talk to people, how you talk to people. I know some of you guys are in food service. Don't you want to move faster and do more for the people when they're nice to you? Yeah. If you've worked in food service and someone's rude to you, you're like, yeah, your ticket's going to wait for 20 minutes before I even put it in. <laughs> maybe you'll get some extra taste in your food. I don't know. Maybe someone's spitting it. I don't know. I mean, don't do that. Don't do that. I was just saying. Things how we live leads other people to Christ. Paul is reminding us, you know, of the truth. And, and, you know, he was talking to them. He's saying, hey, here's the truth. Look at the teaching that you've had. Look how you've grown. You know, you've continued to build in your faith. All by saying, I'm, I'm not at it. I'm not doing this 
for you. We're doing it together. And I still, even though I'm not there, I have empathy for what you're going through. I have empathy for you, but you have to keep going. He's like, oh, that's really hard. I'm so sad. But let's see what we're going to do next. What does Christ want us to do? He's not just going to let him lay on the floor and wallow in that and say, oh, poor you. He said, yeah, he did. He's like, gave him the empathy. And it's like, I understand it's hard. It's so hard, but you got to get up. You got to get up. So I'm going to kind of finish with this. There are kind of two places in our lives that take us right out of the destiny of God. Would you like to know those? Yeah, sure. Sure. I don't know. I'm not really know if I want to know those in case I'm doing those. <laughs> but how much better? Sometimes we understand. So there's really two places that just take us out of that destiny. First, when we have everything, when we're in those mountain seasons, in those mountaintops where we don't have any lack, you know, that's a dangerous place. And I'm not, don't be like, oh, she's wishing for us to be poor and sick. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying when we get to those mountaintop seasons, it's a lot easier to forget to be like, Lord, thank you that I just woke up today. Thank you for these good, these, all these little things, you know, that I have. We get to where it's like, oh, I have enough money for this. I don't need to pray and say, God, bring this in so I can provide for this. You know, I feel good. I don't need to, I don't need to pray for healing. I, my family's all saved. I don't, you know, I'm in my little bubble. But when we're in those mountaintop seasons, it's a dangerous place because we lose sight of, of, of what God has done for us. And we, a lot of times, lose sight of others that are still in the valley, that are going through a valley season. We sometimes, we get annoyed with them because we don't want them to rain on our parade. My life's good. Can you shut up? Y'all laughing because that is true. Sometimes when you're on that mountaintop, I don't want to hear about your problems because right now I don't have any, and life is about me, if you didn't know that. You know, we pretend sometimes it's not, but we, we get into that thought at the mountaintop. It's like, you know, we forget when it was like, I remember, I love, no, this may sound crazy, I love that we went through some times of poverty. Because when I see somebody, and I'm like, I remember when someone was on their mountaintop, I remember I had one pair of jeans for a season. And somebody watched this over and over, and they were on their mountaintop, and I found a note, and it said, this is to buy you a couple pairs of jeans. And I thought, when you were at your mountaintop, you saw me in the valley. See, that's what we have to be careful, that when we're in that mountaintop, we still see the people in the valley. Because guess what happens? You at the mountaintop, you better remember those valley people because you're going to need the net. They're going to be in the mountaintop when you're in the valley. That's why we need each other. Sometimes we get to have seasons in the mountaintop. We love those. We're like, Lord, make it a plateau up here. We want it to be like really... You know what I mean? We want it to go for a while. We're like, make the valley like a ravine, okay? Down up. As soon as I hit the bottom, I'm bouncing, okay? <laughs> that's what we want. Sometimes that's not what we get. So the first thing I'll take you out of destiny is thinking that you can do it without God, and I can provide for myself, and I can do everything, and I have wisdom and knowledge without him. Dangerous. 
The other is when we are in those deepest, darkest valleys, those struggles, and we, now it's not the valleys that make it dangerous. It's when we choose to disconnect from the body. The body is our support. You know, God said, I gave them to you so they can encourage you, you know, build you up. They can remind you that the valleys don't last forever and you're coming to a mountaintop. See where people get stuck is when they're in the mountaintop, they cut off all their support because they can do it without God. They can do it without other people. And then a valley comes and they look around. Who's there to encourage them? Who's there to build them up? Who's there to remind them that, you know what? <laughs> this is just a season. Your destiny hasn't changed. God still has a plan for you. I've watched people who have stayed in valleys forever just because they chose to disconnect from the body. And God's like, you know, he created the body for a reason. And he said, do not forsake the assembly, which is coming together, because you need that. He gave Christ because you needed Christ. And he said, he's the head. And he said, I give you the body because you need that too. So there's two places if you're like, I don't know if I'm walking in my destiny. First say, are you actually relying on God? Are you at the mountaintop? And then also saying, Lord, thank you. You put me here. It is nothing I have done. You did this. It was your wisdom, your knowledge, your revelation that, that I'm in this season. Or if you're in the valley, are you able to go and say, hey, can you pray with me? Can you believe with me? Tell me I'm doing a good job. I mean, you guys probably heard this with Matt. I want, I, my love language is acts of service. Now I'm going to out you a little bit. This might just be my husband, but I think that I'm speaking to a lot of people. They have garages or sheds. You can make, you can expand the tent stakes as wide as you want for them. You can say, I'm going to organize all this for you. I'm going to give you all the space. But you know what? They seem to acquire things. And for some reason, if they move something, their brain immediately forgets where it goes. I'm just teasing, but kind of. But, you know, that's my love language. And so I'm always, I'm always cleaning up and organizing and getting stuff. And, you know, he is a tech guy. You guys do not understand the amount of cords that are on our property could probably go around the world a few thousand times. I don't know. You know? And, and he has a big box. You know what happens? Every cord of every color and every kind goes in this box. So I took every cord, rounded all up, labeled them like a label maker label, put them in there, you know? And when he walked in, I said, I got to show you what I did. I said, but before we go in, these are the words I need you to say to me. Because I need this encouragement. Because if you say anything else, it's going to put me in a valley. I said, I want you to say, wow, this looks amazing. I'm so thankful. You're a great wife. I love you so much. These are the words. And I, I don't want you to say, I love you so much. And we could do this or I want it. This. No, these are the only words. These are the words. See, we've been married long enough. I will tell him what I need to have encouragement in. Because you know what? If he says, you know, it's nice, but you could have done it this way. You know what I am? I'm mad. I'll be honest, right? So, but that's why we need the body. I need encouragement. You know, I say, I am. You are so lucky to have me. 
Remind yourself of that. You're going to take me out to lunch today. M&M. Who else is going out to lunch? Generous take. What? Yes. You're a, oh, you want me, he wants me to say, you are a great husband. You provide for us. And, you know, anytime I have a technical thing, he helps me with technology because my brain, God did not connect that wire for me. God said, you know, I'm going to make you a people person. Don't worry about technology. I'm going to bring you another half. That's what God did. I will, you guys don't understand. I will touch technology and sometimes it'll just turn off. And he's like, what did you do? I'm like, I'm just so magnetic. (laughs) But he's like, something's wrong with your body. Like, just fries it. Um, So the Lord's like, you know, I didn't give you any technology understanding, Sarah, but that's why he said, but I'm bringing you someone who's going to be able to encourage you and do that. So we, yeah, he didn't because he gave me you and we are married. So two become one. Look at that. Now I am amazing at technology. (laughs) I saw that face. I'm a people person. I move around like this. You don't think you can get away with making that face. Other technology people. Jordan's thinking, oh, I've helped you with technology too. See, God just keeps sending. That's why we need the body. Because when we are in lack, there's someone who's like, I have that. You know, there's all those things. You know, I'm, I'm thankful I have the body because sometimes I come in and I'm tired. And then, like, I see you guys and you're like, I'm like, tell me about your week, and you're like, oh, this or that, or like someone just needs a hug or things like that, and it just changes the outcome of our day, and then we're able to make it through the week and be able to preach the gospel, right? But when we're in the valley, sometimes it's hard to preach the gospel. You're like, I'm at Jesus, but I'm so low right now, I don't even know. He might, I don't know if he has a waiting list or whatnot. I mean, you might not be the great at evangelizing when you're in the valley. Oh, you know, you're going to be like ecclesiastical. Oh, everything's meaningless. The sun and the moon. No, no, no. That's why we need encouragement. When people see us in the valley, they need to say, okay, just don't talk. Say nothing for this season. You ever have that? Where it's like, I just can't say anything. If I open my mouth, I know what's coming out is not from the Lord. I'm like, I need, I need something. Maybe, I, you know, sometimes I'm just snacking because I'm like, put Something has to be in here because what's going to come out in this moment because I'm so stressed. I need someone, you know, to come in and give me encouragement. And so that's what we do for each other. We encourage each other. So think about when you're the two things that take you out. Don't live in the mountaintops and think that you're above. And, and don't stay in the valleys by yourself. Being in dark place, you know, with those struggles, those trials of life, you know, do not remove us or keeping us from our destiny but being there alone does being there alone does you know christ is the head but we need this whole body we need the whole body to be complete mature lacking nothing because when we're in unity together you know when every part is functioning well um you know it it lifts up it it people begin to brush off and their gaze begins to look back at christ there's some hope there Sometimes we just have to get people's gaze back at Christ. They've been looking at everything else, and it's like, whew. you see the horse? Mel's not even here today. You see the horse? Why they put the blinders on? They don't need to know what's going on there. I just need you to get me to this point, to that point. I don't want you to be scared of a bush and buck me off. Put your blinders on, follow the road, right? You ever see that? I had a horse 
Last story, okay? Because this is funny. Um, so get your gaze back in Christ. This has nothing to do with that. This just has to do with a horse. But So we had this old horse. Actually, Mel gave it to us. And he was blind. But he was leg reined and everything. Greatest horse. The kids could just get on him bareback. You could just ride him. And he would just know where to go, okay? So we were riding him. And Lana was riding with someone. And she was riding on the rear end part. And we're running through the field. The horse has some gas. Scared himself and bucked her off because he didn't know what the sound was. And I thought, hmm. But that's just to end on that. Isn't that funny? We just need some laughter. See, I just gave you guys some joy and some laughter right there. But we're going to pray, 